Hello everyone, welcome to The Runner On Air. I am your host, Joy Gamble, and on this episode, our guest is Dr. Valerie Phillips, who will be sharing some health advice for all of us. During this time, as we are all trying to transition back into society, health is extremely important right now. So I hope that this helps all of you, and enjoy! All right. So for our listeners, will you give us a brief overview of holistic medicine and what drew you towards this path? Sure. Brief. Uh, That's the key word here, I guess. (laughs) Um, So oftentimes I describe holistic medicine as kind of like primary care, but with a broader perspective on diagnosis and treatment. Uh, For example, say you come to me with uh, a cough or a cold, you know, I can prescribe sort of the normal things that a regular MD might prescribe, but say you, um, you don't want to take the regular things like you've got bronchitis, but you have a real sensitivity to antibiotics. I'll have an arsenal of herbal therapeutics, uh, nutritional stuff to offer you as well. And there's also sort of this, uh, a little bit of a different philosophy around it because instead of treating the disease per se, like, uh, like we're treating uh, an infection with an antibiotic, tr- treating a disease with a drug, instead we're sort of treating the whole person from the ground up, you know, making sure people hydrate and sleep and have all the nutrients that they need in order for their body to naturally do what it needs to do and sort of trusting in the innate wisdom of the of the body to do those things and gently nudging it so it's a little bit more of a uh, harmonious philosophies you might I think and, uh, and what drew me to it was well I'd always been interested in medicine and my mother is sort of a um, you know, uh, a lay healer like many mothers are, but uh, there's sort of a tradition of um, herbalism in her family. And she got really into nutrition in the 70s, like a lot of people. And so I was raised in kind of a health nut household. And then when I was a teenager, I got sick. And um, I was a little bit, uh, I came came up against the limitation of Western medicine in terms of like, you know, like for example, I had uh, protein in my urine. I had some, a kidney disease when I was a kid and um, we were asking the doctor, the kidney doctor, well, she's got protein in her urine. Does that mean that she should eat more protein or not? And there was this sort of like, you know, kind of a universal shrug in my doctors about like, how to naturally help yourself. So after college, when I decided to go into medicine, I I chose uh, this sort of holistic philosophy style medicine instead to kind of complement what what was going on in America as as what I saw as a limitation in what was being offered. And did you find that the holistic medicine like helped your kidney problem? Like, did you ever solve it? Yeah. Understanding the nature of it. Number one, doing a lot of things 
personally to decrease the inflammation in my body. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm a lot healthier than I was when I was a kid. I grew up, I was kind of a sickly kid, kind of, you know, weak and floppy kid. And uh, I think as I get older and I learn more, I get stronger and stronger. Also, you know, uh, physical activities help it, uh, as well. So I was kind of like non-athletic as a kid. And I think starting in college and thereafter I got, I've been getting stronger and healthier. That's awesome. Um, and you still practice in Tehachapi and Bakersfield, right? No, I haven't practiced in Bakersfield for a while. I still practice in Tehachapi um, for the last five years or so. Um, but Bakersfield is where our other office is, where I used to practice. And that's where Dr. Diol and Dr. Dr. Ava Harmony practice currently. They're sort of our sister clinic. Cool, cool. So on a scale of one to 10, how healthy have you been during this pandemic? 10 being my personal best uh, in terms of health yeah. and one being like, I'm dead, I'm, you know, in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess I'd probably have to put it at like somewhere between six and eight, maybe, you know, um, mostly limited by the fact that my, my exercise routine has been disrupted by the, the, the limitations around my pool. I, mostly what I do in terms of exercise, I, re I really like to swim and I like to go to the yoga studio. And so I haven't really been able to do either of those things regularly for about a year. And I was going maybe, you know, four to five, maybe six times a week. And so, but, you know, it's, it's balanced out by you know, getting a little bit more rest and learning to cross train a little bit more, which I've been needing to do for about 10 years. And so while it's not my favorite, I think it's been ultimately okay. And, you know, ultimately uh, I'm, I'm grateful for what we, what we have, what we can do in America. This, you know, we're, marvelously privileged. My house is very comfortable and, you know, they bring the food right to my door. It's wonderful. <laughs> I've really streamlined my, my shopping. So that's great. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed, um, it's harder for me to actually go outside, um, because I get really bad anxiety. It's like, how have you been able to kind of stay healthy in your mind? Um, or kind of ease those those anxieties like when you do have to go out in public? You know, it's funny because this last weekend was the first weekend, the first time in a year that I went, I got on an airplane and I flew across the country and I went to a conference. I used to go maybe once a month or every other month to, you know, it, it's kind of like a doctor party. You get together, you <laughs> you learn, you hang out, you eat together, you know, so it's really fun. But um, yeah, I was thinking about that this weekend as I was going through airports. And by the way, Denver airport is the worst. That's what I've decided. <laughs> Denver, oh, so crowded, 
so crowded for some reason. Anyway, um, sitting on an airplane, locked in with the people, I did feel a little bit of anxiety just in terms of, you know, being out of my comfort zone. You get really cozy in the house and now I'm like, oh, now I've got to do all these things and travel through the world and it's a lot. Um, for me, I, I don't feel afraid of contracting anything personally. I had COVID in November and I trust in my immune system. Um, mostly I feel anxious because I'm, I feel claustrophobic in the mask. So that's, that's one issue. There's all sorts of problematic thoughts that you can have while traveling through the world. You can be anxious at home, you can be anxious in public. You know, I, I think that a big part of overcoming that is feeling empowered, feeling like you you can you can be okay because of the resources that you have in your life. I think a big issue with the global pandemic in terms of what I see, what, what I see people are going through is that they don't, they don't trust the medical system to take care of them. You know, like if I get sick, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. You know, that's what people think. And it's, it's often the case. Sadly, I heard a lot of stories this weekend about people dying of COVID when they didn't need to die, you know, and um, what I tell all my patients is that, you know, just like what I just like what I would normally tell somebody with asthma uh, or diabetes on any flu season, any any winter year, you just come in right away at the first sign of symptoms, and we treat you right away. We and we prevent the upper respiratory infection from you know, getting so bad that it travels down to the lungs and you get really, really sick. And a lot of the problem with the this fear-based narrative that we have going on is that people, uh, if they feel sick, they, they just feel really, really scared, which isn't helpful for their immune system and it's not gonna help them get better. So um, I, just, I just say, trust, trust, in, trust in the medicine to help you. You know, come in right away. We treat you right away. Get you on a number of immune-supportive nutrients, and then just you know, keep the inflammation down throughout the course of the illness. And I haven't had any hospitalizations in my practice, and I'm 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 happy about that. Wow, that's actually amazing that you've never had to go through that. Um, I'm gonna go back to what you said about trusting in your immunity. Um, so I think it was like three years ago when I first made an appointment with you and you had recommended the supplement NAC. So in N-acetyl-L-cysteine, I think I said it correctly. <laughs> um, it does all the glutamine production and um, I'm sure you... Yeah, so N-acetylcysteine okay. is a precursor of the uh, one of the major antioxidants in your body called glutathione, and that is the one that protects your sinuses and your lungs primarily. So if you have asthma or if you have an upper respiratory infection, glutathione is the, enz is the enzyme that scavenges 
the free radicals and keeps the inflammation down. And it gets recycled with vitamin C. So um, promoting glutathione is a major thing in um, all upper respiratory infections, liver disease. And there's been some studies to show that it's helpful in COVID as well. And you can inject glutathione, uh, IV. Uh, the problem with uh, that is that it's a, it's a pretty volatile compound, like it's an antioxidant, so it gets oxidized and degrades quite rapidly. So N-acetylcysteine promotes it naturally inside your body as at the, and at the same time, it's a mucolytic. Um, N-acetylcysteine is used in, a it's in regular medicine uh, as a, to thin and dry the mucus in the sinuses and the lungs. So when you get sinusitis, when you get, uh, um, if you have allergic sinusitis or if you're getting a cold and you have that stuffy head, that sinus stuff, you can take N-acetylcysteine and it'll thin it and it'll dry it. And so it's that stage that we wanna catch any kind of severe or potentially severe respiratory illness because as many of you know, uh, if you don't catch it there, it then travels down into the lungs and then you have a much bigger problem. Um, but if it is down in the lungs and you're coughing and you're coughing up green stuff, you can use N-acetylcysteine and it'll help it. But if your sputum is green or yellow or as I uh, rainbow colored, as I, I can't emphasize this enough, you know, not to wait on that. You know, I, uh, if any of my patients are sick, even if we're full, we get them right in, you know, we fit them in, we stay late, we work during lunch just to sort of make sure that we nip it in the bud. N-acetylcysteine or NAC as uh, we often call it, uh, the, my favorite vitamin. I wanna emphasize to people, cause most people have never heard of it before. So sometimes that kind of like goes in one ear and out the other. So I like to tell people it's my favorite vitamin that they've never heard of, you know, cause it is so, useful. Um, and the, the wonderful thing about it is that it, it works with your body's natural processes instead of, you know, against them or, um, you know, it basically promotes your body's natural ability to, to fight things and to have a healthy mucosa as they, as they call it. <laughs> have your patients been more symptomatic? or asymptomatic or have you noticed like like any difference? I feel like there was a broad range of uh, presentations in, in my practice. We had uh, that big surge in the winter uh, where it seems like, seemed like everyone had it, um, but there were family members that had very few symptoms and then there were some that were very, very sick. And, um, it's, it's a little bit hard to get a real concrete handle on it because the testing is not very accurate in asymptomatic people. So I did sort of like, a, I sort of assumed that if anyone had symptoms and if anyone in the house had tested positive that they also were positive regardless of the testing. So um, yeah, I saw quite, quite a range. Um, and as you might predict, you know, some of the more delicate people got, got sicker and had more problems um, post-COVID, you know, there's a, now we're sort of mostly dealing with the, 
the post-COVID syndrome, which can be fatigue or um, persistent shortness of breath, um, uh, stuff like that. Uh, I myself have a like a strange when my smell returned. Um, I have a strange smell that is persisting, and that's it's pretty annoying, but it's it's getting better. Um, so there's been quite an interesting spectrum, um, but as might not be predicted, some delicate people, like I have one person who has pulmonary fibrosis and she sailed through just fine. You know, a lot of surprising, surprising um, resilience in some of my uh, more chronically ill population. Supposedly NAC um, is supposed to help treat and prevent COVID. And um, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I do think that it helped me. Um, do you think it could possibly like support like people who may want to prevent it or people who are currently like suffering through it? Well, in the in the natural health and supplement world, we are prevented by the FDA by making disease prevention and treatment claims for supplements that have not been evaluated for that by the FDA. So you don't, you don't really wanna say, oh, N-acetylcysteine treats and prevents. Instead, you can think about it more as, as, as a supporting the natural mechanisms, the natural healing mechanisms of the body. So instead of like, you know, this nutrient treats this virus, it's like, no, this nutrient promotes the production of glutathione, which is the body's natural defense against viral infections. And while, you know, of course, a lot of supplement companies are trying to sell products for certain things and make a lot of money, which we all need money. But, and so they're saying these things when, you know, in order to promote their supplement, but this is actually how I think about it too. I, I, I don't think like, like you said, there's such a wide range of presentation based of COVID infection based on people's natural physiology already. You know, so what natural medicine is trying to do is just promote that natural ability to have a, a good outcome when you're faced with things like this. You know, like for example, if I had been taking my zinc like I should have, it's likely that I that I would have been I would have been less likely to have lost my sense of smell and have these problems that I have. But because I've been bad and have not been taking my zinc, you know, <laughs> I have these problems, so I'm suffering from them. At least that's my assumption. I can't tell you that 100%, but classically, that's the wisdom around loss of sense of smell is that it is a zinc deficiency syndrome or it's related to zinc deficiency. Interesting. I didn't know that that was related to a zinc deficiency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even the ear, nose, and throat doctor that I finally went to for this um, supported that philosophy. A conventional doctor, he suggested that uh, taking zinc decreases the can decrease the inflammation in the olfactory neurons. In that article, I didn't see like any kind of combination um, like supplements, which is I really wish they would have included that because I've heard about zinc. Um, but I liked the article because it said it could potentially treat or prevent coronavirus, influenza, all these problems. Yeah. So if you think about it, like in, typically in my profession, we like to think about it in terms of enzyme systems. So we know that uh, glutathione gets recycled 
with vitamin C. And so often we, we suggest to take those things together to kind of increase the, the effectiveness of, of both of them. And then zinc is, you know, essential in numerous immune reactions and, you know, other things like selenium and elderberry and things that basically uh, help to support the natural antioxidant systems of the body. Quercetin is a really, is a really useful thing. So it's what's known as a, a, a bioflavonoid, which means that it's a, a type of colored molecule that exists in plants. Um, it's classically found in like the white part of citrus, the, the grapefruit, and it's um, what's, what's known as a mast cell a stabilizer. So mast cells are these immune cells that kind of spew allergen, uh, spew histamine and other chemicals forth and create symptoms of allergic response. And they can really drive inflammatory reactions in the body. So quercetin kind of stabilizes them and makes them burst less frequently. And so it's um, always in the immune system, you want a balance between like we're fighting and we're resting, you know? And a lot of times um, nowadays, uh, and especially when people have these chronic inflammation or runaway inflammation, you're, you're, you're imbalanced into the, the fight mode of your immune system and you need a little bit more support to bring it back into the, the balance part. And so that's one of the things that quercetin does for us. I often recommend it if people have hay fever. It's like one of the first things I recommend for that. Like New Year's, my grandparents got COVID right around Christmas time. My grandpa got really, really bad. And this man was like walking every single day, like taking walks, like just, he's a very active person. He's 83 years old and the virus had completely like just changed him. Um, we didn't know if he was going to be like better. And I was thinking, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have just been like there. So I could have like told him to take like NAC, zinc and all this stuff. But by the time that I knew it was like too late and he got like really, really sick and he's finally able to walk like 10 feet he oh, wow. was showing signs of like alzheimer's and dementia he had a bladder infection that we didn't know about which was literally making him crazy oh, like yeah. he was like i didn't know that that can happen to the elderly like they look oh, yeah. and sound like they have dementia or alzheimer's it's insane it's very common actually it's it's more common than than you know just like untreated bladder infections and how easy it is for that to get missed in a lot of scenarios because especially in the elderly they don't complain of bladder symptoms they might not ever have a classic symptoms of a uti that's why i i i try to just routinely check everyone's urine every so often my index of suspicion for bladder stuff is is just very high yeah and that's one of the just just one of the many chronic infections that can get missed and cause all sorts of problems. Yeah, it was a shocker, but um, I've, we were all lucky he didn't die. And he, it, it's just, it was just a miracle. Like he's able to walk now. Like I saw him walk from the living room to the dining room table. I'm like, was anyone going to tell me that you can walk without your walker now? And he's like, oh yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it's a walking miracle. Do you, 
have any other advice that you want to share to our listeners at CSUB? Yeah, so one of the things that I wished that I had known in college um, that I'd love to share with your with your schoolmates is uh, just like, don't stay up all night, <laughs> drink water, <laughs> poop every day, <laughs> eat vegetables, you know, half your body weight in ounces of water. All nighters are not helpful. Okay. Just, just go to bed. Just go to bed. You won't, you're not doing yourself any favors for that test being like a complete mad, madman in sleep, <laughs> sleeplessness. Wow. You caught me red handed. I got two <laughs> hours of sleep last night. <laughs> so I'm going to get do. 10 hours tonight. <laughs> so easy to do. I probably got, uh, you know, two hours of sleep, two, three nights in a row this last weekend as I'm traveling and staying up late and partying with doctors. But, you know, you can do it, like have fun, you know, <laughs> but just 11 p.m., just close the book, go to bed, you'll do better. Thank you so much to Dr. Phillips for joining us today on this episode. We are very fortunate to hear the voices from the experts themselves. So I hope you enjoyed this, runners, and I will see you next time. Bye!